Hello and welcome to this week's Health Report with me, Norman Swan, on Gadigal land. And me, Tegan Taylor, on Jagera and Turrbal land. When I was at uni, one of my jobs was as a behavioural therapist for a little boy who was autistic. I worked as part of a team that was supervised by a psychologist to help him learn behaviours that would make it easier to get by in the world as he grew up. He really was a delight to work with, and I've been thinking about him this week, Norman, while I've been working on one of the stories we have coming up today. He got diagnosed really young and had that early intervention. But what about people who make it to adulthood and wonder if they're autistic? I've been speaking with someone who's had that exact experience and a psychologist in the area about why an adult diagnosis can be really valuable. It's a huge and important issue and it relates to other mental health issues that go along with it, such as anxiety and depression. And also we've got an exclusive investigation on nutrition and food in early childhood education and care services in Australia. Really an appalling story. It's really quite heartbreaking. Uh, But first, Norman, a little bit of health news this week. And I want to travel us over to the UK because there's been a bit in health news over there. Of course, there was the big news earlier this week about the king. He'd had a prostate examination or a surgery to do with his prostate some time ago. And it's since been revealed that he has been diagnosed with an unrelated form of cancer. Yes, it was reported he went in to have his benign prostatic hypertrophy, in other words, an enlarged prostate treated, and that they, they came and said they, afterwards that he diagnosed with cancer, not prostate, um, which is what you might have expected. And somebody else said that it was early. Um, I think that Richie Sunak, the Prime Minister, said that it was, they came out and saying that they discovered it. Early. So, I mean, there's two issues, I think, that arise here, don't you think? One is the prostate itself. Yeah, I think I know that for sure that there's been a surge in Google um, searches around prostate health and that there's been a surge in people getting their prostates checked. Yeah. So here's just a word of warning. We've covered this hugely on the health report over the years. Men should know that if they decide they're going to have a prostate-specific antigen test, that's the blood test, It's not a blood test for prostate cancer. It's a blood test that is raised when you have an enlarged prostate that could be benignly enlarged. And it also can be raised if you've got prostate cancer. The trouble is it's not very specific. And you've got to understand what the implications are of a positive test because a positive test means your doctor's really forced to find out whether or not you've got prostate cancer. And a lot of the prostate cancers that are discovered with a PSA test, are ones that will, would never kill you. They were not, they're not going to progress. Um, we are getting better at that. The urologists are getting better at that. They're not jumping in and operating quickly. And, um, and the state of the art with, with urologists is that they follow you closely and they biopsy you based on an MRI scan. That's the way it should be done of the prostate gland. And it's uh, Australian research that's actually elucidated a lot of the benefits of doing MRI scans. So that's just a little bit of a caveat there is that you're risking over-treatment by having your PSA done. But as long as you know what you're doing and you're prepared for surveillance, then, uh, then you should be minimising the risks of that. But then the other question is, I suppose, is what else could he have? Well, I was going to ask you that, and I know that you'll say that you couldn't possibly speculate, but then you will. Well, all you can say is, well, what, what went on there? Well, one is that uh, if you're going to treat benign prostatic hypertrophy, then you go in with a cystoscope, so that's an endoscopy, and um, they might have looked in the bladder and seen a tumour in the bladder and you know, biopsied that and found that it was malignant. 
Um, they might have done an MRI scan of his prostate and found that there's something else going on in the pelvis. That, and the most common thing would be a colon cancer that they might have picked up by accident. In fact, it goes to your story of a couple of weeks ago on incidentalomas, um, finding an incidental finding when you're scanning for other reasons. And that may be what they've done there. Or they've done a chest X-ray before he gets his anaesthetic and they've found something in his lungs. Who knows? But um, it's likely that it is, in fact, what you talked about on the health report a couple of weeks ago, which is an incidental OMA. Mm. Well, let's stay with the UK figureheads and talk about Rishi Sunak, who you mentioned before, the British PM, because he's revealed that he is a, a faster, an intermittent faster. He fasts for 36 hours a week. Um, bring us up to speed again on intermittent fasting. It's something that we've talked about quite a lot over the years. It is. So the story with intermittent fasting is, and there's various ways of doing it. One is the 5-2, that's the one that Michael Mosley promotes, which is five days of a normal diet, two days on roughly 500 calories a day. So it's not quite a full no-calorie fast. It's a very low-calorie, two very low-calorie days. Other variants on that are 16-8, so 16 hours of the, your day are spent um, not eating, uh, eight hours, and then you've got eight hours where you eat food. Um, Fourteen ten is the other one. Whichever way you cut it, um, intermittent fasting does is supposed to do two things. One is lose weight. Well, you do lose weight on on intermittent fasting as long as you don't go too mad on your days off. But it it do, you does lose you do lose an effect of it. And we've had uh, Luigi Fontana from Sydney University on talking about this. Is that the body adjusts and the calorie gap from the intermittent fasting narrows because your body adjusts to the fasting and burns fewer calories at rest, which is why you've actually got to exercise a lot when you're doing intermittent fasting so that you maintain that calorie gap. Um, the other thing that's supposed to happen is that you get metabolic stress and therefore your metabolism becomes healthier so that you're less likely to develop type 2 diabetes and maybe your growth hormones, uh, sorry, the cellular growth hormones go down and therefore you're less likely to develop cancer or if you've got cancer, it grows more slowly. And again, Luigi Fontana's work has suggested that that's really only true depending on what you eat on your days on or in your eight hours or whatever it is. If you're eating rubbish, you may not get the um, metabolic benefits of fasting. Um, but if you eat a Mediterranean-style, highly diverse diet with not much red meat, then you may well get, you're more likely to get the metabolic benefits in addition to the weight loss. Well, I personally fast every single night while I'm asleep. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I fast between meals. And this is The Health Board. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.